In this episode of The Interface, I speak with Ulrich Troster, General Manager of Amphenol Tuchel Electronics in Germany. Ulrich has been with Amphenol for over three years after spending much of his career in the automotive industry. We talk about his fascination with the automotive manufacturing processes even more than his passion for high-performance machines. We talk about his product portfolio and his new high-voltage, high-power connectors for hybrid electric and all-electric vehicles. We talk about why Amphenol, even though it's a large company, is a great fit for the way he likes to work. And we talk about the things he's grateful for after having tested positive for the COVID-19 virus. This is The Interface. So first of all, thank you for joining me this evening in Germany, as I know it's the, the evening for you after uh, a, a work day. So already you've had a full work day today. Yes, sure. Have. And it, I'm assuming it was busy because today when we're recording this, it's August 31st. So the last day of the month. And I know, you know, every single general manager and managing director at Amphenol, this is this is always a big day. So so hopefully it's been a good August for you. Considering the last month, the August is really recovering. Yeah. And um, this it was a tough year so far, but it looks that the future seems to be brighter than the past was. The reason, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here is because I haven't talked to a lot of people in Amphenol yet from the automotive side of the business. And you run Amphenol Tuchel, uh, the automotive side uh, of that business. And if you could give me and the the larger audience who may not know, just a rundown of what your business does. So um, we are specialized for uh, automotive connectors. There's uh, three major areas where we are focusing on. One is uh, airbag, uh, airbag uh, connectors. Amphilo Tuchel was the first company ever to produce an airbag connector together with Daimler back in the 80s. That is a strong portion of our business. And then we also have stamping. We produce all our contacts and all our terminals ourselves in a stamp shop. And the third um, really strong growing business is the high voltage, high power area where we focus on uh, supplying connectors to our tier one and OEM uh, customers mm -hmm. for the electromobility. You've probably also developed a number of new connectors, new technologies that I know you're really excited about. So can you give me a, a quick rundown of some of those and and why you're really you're really excited about those from a from a GM perspective? For me this is a at the moment of course this year was difficult but yeah. uh, overall um, I've done a lot of different things in in the automotive industry in in my in the last 20 21 years and it is one of the few times where I um, I'm in a spot where the market is really favorable Mm -hmm. of the company I'm working for. And at the moment, we are really developing a lot of different customer-specific and non-customer-specific uh, um, uh, high-voltage and high-power connectors. We use our new RedSox system. We have now uh, three different sizes, a fourth size is coming up, which are uh, in serious production. And we are really proud that these parts are really well taken by the customers. and. Um, we have now developed a complete uh, range of connectors which are specialized in transmitting high voltage and high power uh, applications. So I think at the moment we are really in the right spot at the right time with our technology. When you're talking high voltage, like what are you talking about as far as upper limits of voltage? 
So we talk about um, 800 volts. Okay. Um, we can then we go up to a thousand now, and we talk about 300 to 400 amps. For an example, we have a company which is transmitting 250 kilowatts. Mm. In wow. Germany, an average household has 300 watts installed. So and there, if you could get three people in an average household, this means with one of those connectors, you could supply in an average uh, a day a city with 2,500 people just wow. with one connector. And this this connector is um, in every car. It seems a bit oversized, but yeah. for the fast charging you, you need today, that is really the way we're going. And we have um, the, our big Radsock 40 millimeter terminal is very suitable for transmitting exactly these high amounts of energy. And the customers uh, like the parts too. So we are in Audi, we are in Porsche. So we also supply to the real nice um, uh, high uh, performance OEMs. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I'd love to have one of those myself. Either one of them would be fine. <laughs> uh, is this getting into the, the hybrid electric side of things or the all electric side of things or a little bit of both? So we are in both cars. So yeah. at the moment, um, the market is not, uh, if you if you take, if you sum up all the purely electric cars, you are not at a very, um, very big amount compared to the combustion cars and to right. the hybrids. But if you take them both together, they are climbing up now the percentage ladder. I think we're two, three, four, five percent. Yeah. And over, if you say we produce 70 million uh, cars are being produced this year, then that is already a quite a nice figure. We talk about two, three million cars. And this number is vastly growing. In Germany, there's a lot of subsidies from the government going on now. It's combined with the Corona help um, to get mm -hmm. the, uh, some stimulus into the economy. And we, we realize now that uh, all the customers approaching us, and not only German, also Asian customers for the first time, which oh, okay. is not easy uh, for a German company to get in touch, and also from the US yeah. um, customers, uh, who, who are also going into the hybrid section, be, um, building up now 48-volt connectors. And all of these um, connectors, they are really, there's not so much on the market available at the moment, and especially engineering capacity. Mm -hmm. And we built up in the last three years uh, engineering teams. We, um, folk, we strongly increased our customer focus. And this pays off now. We are really, we optimized our processes and we are much faster than uh, when I joined uh, three and a half years ago. And the customers are happy with our products. And this is giving me a good feeling that we have the right solutions for the market at the moment. How much do you work with other Amphenol divisions, not only within the automotive group, but outside of the automotive group and just the, the corporation as a whole? So we, we, we try to get more and more in touch. Yeah. Not, even, not only that we, we have some suppliers, AFCI, for example, uh, we, we, we buy all, also in the automotive group, we buy some plastic parts, but we also have more and more customers also in the automotive group, but also non-automotive with the sensor guys, yeah. Um, they need to have some standing parts and so on. So the, this collaboration is increasing. Yeah. And I think it's a good sign because we have a lot of different technologies inside Amphenol. And if we combine them cleverly, yeah. I think that we have really a good opportunity to, to supply complete solutions. That's a very excellent way of describing it. If we combine them cleverly, I think you're absolutely right. And, and just talking to people from 
all sorts of groups here over the last year. You can see that I can feel that more and more too, just in these little conversations where, you know, a person from this group that is talking to a group that's radically different, you know, whether it's medical to military, for example, yeah. or for you, like automotive to the, you know, more of the, uh, the ICC portion of the group. I mean, that's what, you know, once we combine those things, there's really strength in numbers there. And the, uh, that's, um, it's an, it's heartening to hear, at least for me and I think everyone else at Amphenol. You've had a long history in the automotive business and the automotive industry. Um, I'm assuming born and raised in Germany, so it's kind of in your blood um, to be <laughs> into the automotive industry. Is that is that accurate to say? I mean, were you like this uh, even as like a little kid, or did it kind of grow actually, on you as you got older? Actually, cars were never any favorite of mine no what i really liked when i i when i uh, did my diploma work in university as an electrical engineer um i had i did my diploma work in the automotive industry in the mm -hmm. project management and i realized for the first time how highly developed the processes in the automotive industry are because you need to produce huge numbers of parts yeah and if you do little mistakes that cost a lot of money so you need to have processes to ensure quality, to ensure output, mm -hmm. and to ensure the right timing. And these three uh, uh, factors are very difficult to cover in, with, with, with in, in, in one company. And so you need to have highly, highly uh, specialized processes. And this fascinated me because I really like effectiveness. I don't really, I don't like waste. I, I think that focusing and, 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 and reduction of scrap and, and reduction of, of any times which are not needed in a, in a work plan, for example, mm -hmm. that really makes sense because no one profits. If you, if you waste parts, no one profits and no one wants to pay for waste. So the, that's, what, that's why I joined the automotive industry because I was really amazed by how strongly the focus on perfection is. I, I'd never really thought of it that way, but you know, I think, I guess I always assume and shame on me that someone who's been in the automotive industry for so long is probably more fascinated with the, the romantic side of it. You know, the, the getting in a, in a wonderfully built machine, a beautifully built machine, you know, like a Mercedes or a BMW or a Porsche and the, just the, the sheer performance of it from a personal standpoint. And you're looking at it in a different way, going the the perfectionism of the process and trying to perfect that process was actually the more attractive part to you, which is that's I, I'd never thought of it that way. Of course, I like a nice car. Who doesn't? <laughs> really? Who doesn't? I like. I've got Fair a BMW, enough. and I like to drive the car. So, and I like the German autobahn. It, I think another ten years, and the speed limit will uh, will be there. Oh, so, really? Um, at the moment, yeah. at least this is, and this is a true German, true, true German thing. However, I was working for Daimler for a long time. Mm -hmm. And there you really, you can see how people are motivated by the product. It's much easier to motivate someone by a Mercedes Benz with a star yeah. and, a, and a shiny car. Then um, I was working, working for a harness manufacturer and then you do with a harness or, or even with a connector. Right. So it's, that is where the emotions are. So on the top level for the OEMs, it's, it is a lot of people go there for really for the end product. And, um, but we have to focus on something different. We yeah. have to focus on voltage. We have to focus on, on, on amps. We have to fo focus on, on uh, resistance. And so that, that's another story. But true, a lot of people really are in the automotive industry because for the cars, of course. 
So what were some of the jobs that you had as you were coming up during your work experience? Well, I, I somehow I always had something to do with cables or connectors. So, oh, okay. and um, yeah, my dad was a, a senior, uh, was a professor for closed loop control, electrical control. Mm -hmm. And so I, I feel a bit, a little bit like current myself. I took the way of least resistance and did the same thing. <laughs> so, and then transmitting also energy seemed always uh, um, interesting to me because it's something you need everywhere. Yeah. You need it in a house, you need it in a car. So even if the automotive industry wouldn't have worked, I would have had a plan B to go into grid technology or whatever. But I was working for a small company in Hungary. I lived there for one and a half years and that was good for me because experiencing another culture. I was also living in, in Australia with my parents for oh, one wow. year when I was 17. It was a great time. Yeah. I, I okay. loved it and the beach and everything. And it was so easy. And after one year you go back. So there's not a big really big consequence. But right. after my stay in, in, in Hungary, um, I came back to Germany, Germany and I really, I thought I tried a big company and I applied at, at Continental. Mm -hmm. And Conti at that time was a big growing company. They had 80,000 people. Now they have, I think, more than 200. And um, then, but it was still, it was a supply and I thought, why not go to the customer? Then I joined Daimler. But mm -hmm. the big companies are not my it's not my um, where I feel really, really comfortable because the decision-making processes are so long. I always say when you take a step to the left, there's already a foot there. Mm. So it is, if you want to turn, you need to ask something, someone. It is so slow. And um, that's why after Daimler, I joined a small startup company. I thought, why work for someone else when you can work for yourself? Huh. But yeah. after 11 months, uh, we realized, okay, this didn't work out so well. So then I went to join a company, Autocarbe, where I had the first contact with Amphenol, actually. Yeah. And it was a product from Tuchel yeah. at that time, which was used in the harness I did for, for Daimler. The S400 hybrid was the first hybrid car Daimler put on the street. And so my first electromobility experience I did with the Amphenol connector. And um, I built up an, an engineering and um, sales center mm -hmm. in Dindelfingen, close to the to the Daimler plant. And after five years, I would not have to go to work. Everything was running. Everyone was the process was set, and we were very successful. And um, then I was looking for a new challenge. And then I joined an, another German company, and I was running. Uh, I was appointed to run a company out of insolvency. And that was a very tough job. I yeah, I can imagine. Been, I was everything. I was the personal. I was sales. I was purchasing. I was development. I was. Uh, uh, I had to do everything by myself in Germany. And but we were very, very successful. We had one project. We had a one. It was a one-shot opportunity, mm. and we took the opportunity and we we excelled in that in that project. But it wasn't my really my style of company because. It was a, it's a short term focus, yeah. bring up the company and sell it. Yeah. And okay, I would have made some money, but um, this is, I rather join a company where I focus on long term relationships because the longer you work with someone, the more you get to know them, you know, where you can add value, you know, um, the people and, and that for me, this is more satisf satisfying. And then I read in the newspaper an ad which for a company which sounded exactly like what I was doing. Yeah. 
And then I called the guy, the headhunter, and I called him, where in Stuttgart is this company situated? And he said, in the Northwest. I said, okay, good, I'm in the Southeast, so it's not my job. So that's that's why I wanted to actually call. And then he said, oh, but if it sounds similar, why don't, um, don't you uh, um, apply? And then I found out it was Anthony, and it really fascinated me because I always wanted to be kind of an, in the responsibility of a company with a name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this for me was, and I didn't Amphenol, I didn't know so well. I didn't know that it was actually, it's one of the, it's probably the best company I can imagine because you have a decentralized responsibility structure, right? With the strength of a strong mother and a strong strategic plan in the background. And this combination, we see it now, mm-hmm. we see it now that, in this, in this other company, I had to do cash management one day per week. Mm. And at Amphenol, okay, we always watch the cash, but it's not that I don't sleep well. Right. This is, no, this is, and this is a great benefit in a situation like this. And for me, um, I really like what I'm doing now. We are responsible, we are accountable, and we get uh, the financial support from, from the headquarter, and we have to repay our trust, uh, to repay the trust. But... For me, this is a thing I do anyway. Right. And so rather do it in an environment which is uh, supportive than in an environment which is uh, difficult every day. And so I'm really happy how it turned out. My wife said, for the last three and a half years, I've never complained so few <laughs> times. Then, and that is a good sign. And that is really a good sign. Because ultimately, that's your boss. That's the person you want to make happy. So if, yeah, if and, you're not complaining to your boss, then then this is probably a good situation. Yeah, and honestly, I'm of, of course, I'm GM of a company, but yeah. I'm also a father, and uh, I need to take care of my family. Absolutely. And, yeah. so, and that is honestly priority number one. But if I can combine everything and I feel happy yeah. with the situation, that is great. You you talked earlier uh, in that bit where you said you know you didn't really like working for a large company because of the inflexibility, and yet here you are working for another very large company, and it's radically different in exactly what you just described. In that, yeah, it might be a large company, but you largely get to control your own destiny, and you have the backing of a corporation that allows you and enables you to do what you feel is right. For me, this is. I mean, I, I come into a company, Gerhard Hammer, uh, the, the guy who, who, who I did the job interviews with and who was the GM before right. I took the responsibility. He said a lot of, uh, of, of, of things, of goals, and he, he started processes, which I finished, which I'm very grateful of because it made it easier for me. Yeah. But in the long run now, it is our responsibility. I right. built up a complete team now. We are, we, we are finished now after three years with the, with the, with the, uh, with the first line. And um, now it is our responsibility to decide what to do to bring the company to the next level. And I think this is a great, a great uh, uh, opportunity yeah, to, yeah. to show what we, what we want to do. And I always look for people who want to change things. Mm-hmm. And if, if we are, if I think that if we are not able to change things, we probably get bored. And then it's not fun anymore. And if it's not fun, you will not get a good result. And um, so for me, this is really, I like this this uh, decentralized responsibility. Of course, we need to report. And of course, we need to, uh, um, but this you need to do everywhere. Right, right. So, and for me, this this is really, I didn't, 
before I trained Antonol, I never thought that I would be that happy. That's great. That's fantastic. I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up. And I know you're probably going to like, oh, I got to talk about this again. However, for those that hadn't heard our other episode on another show together, uh, during this time of the coronavirus, you tested positive for the virus. And yes. just to, to summarize, you know, what that ex can you just describe what that experience was like for you and your family and for Amphenol Tuchel, too? Of course, we knew it was out there. And um, I think now looking back, we should have taken it even more seriously than we did. As I said before, I feel really bad that I infected two people and there was a, a social thing in the city where I, where, where I live now, mm -hmm. which was not very nice to experience. Uh, but looking at the company, I think we, we, we took all the, the necessary actions now and we are very sensitive. And I think if that was it and we learned our lesson mm -hmm. and, and, and the actions now, I think they are sufficient to, to prevent another, uh, another uh, infection or transmission of the, of the infection inside the company comparing to what I think other people experienced. It was, it was not, not too tough. Yeah. Uh, so, but nevertheless, the thing is the mask is the key. Yeah. The mask is the key and I it can advise everyone to wear the mask and it's not for the sake of yourself. It's for the sake of the others. I agree. And again, it was, uh, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't an easy situation to deal with, but you've, you've dealt with it well. And, um, you know, thankfully everyone is okay. You talked earlier too about, you know, having a wife and you have a young son. I've got a six year old daughter and a two year old son. That's right. And my, my bad. Sorry. But how has that been being a dad to these young kids too, while you're doing yeah. all this? Yeah, my, my, my daughter said Corona is super. I'm I'm home all the time. <laughs> so I mean, it's a question of perspective, yeah. really. Yeah. And um, and I think uh, she was infected. My wife was infected. The son was not infected. Yeah. But I think we somehow, as a family, it's it actually it strengthened us because yeah. it's something we went through together. Yeah. And we had a lot of people who helped us in the neighborhood. And you get to learn the people, to learn to know the people only in a crisis situation. When everything's fine, everyone is happy and everyone's right. a friend and so on. So we know we moved to this town two years ago and now we really know yeah. um, who we can trust and who, we, who, who is difficult. <laughs> and, um, but with the kids, I think with the son during the lockdown, I experienced how he started to talk. Yeah. With my daughter, I was in that other company. I was running 16 days shifts, yeah. six days a week. I was never home. And uh, and when I was home, I was stressed. Yeah. So I didn't take any time to, and for me, actually, so there was something positive. Yeah. And I, I saw how he grew up and how he started to talk. He doesn't talk a lot. He's a kind of lazy guy. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, I see how he changes yeah. and this is, and this is something I missed with my daughter, and I'm very happy that I could experience this. So if I would like to take something positive away from the time, yeah, it would be spending more time at home, even though working. And even though with the web uh, possibilities we have today, yeah. very effective. Um, I think that now an average meeting takes 10 to 15 minutes. And yeah. in the past, we had 45. Yeah, right. So during the lockdown from home, I had at least... 10 to 20 meetings a day with documentation, everything, decision-making, we were very effective. And this is also something we take away from the, from, from the Corona situation. What can we do 
to be better in the future. Yeah. And I also would like to measure COW as CO2 for, um, for traveling, for example, mm -hmm. in the future. We have not had that KPI. I would like to introduce it because I'm sure that we do not have to travel as much as we did in the past. Right. We, we save time, we save energy, we do not pollute, and, and there's no jet lag. And of course you need to travel. There's no, there's no doubt, but I don't think that we have to travel as much. And also these changes, what we learned from the last couple of months, we would like to implement in the future. And we are working on uh, lessons learned, mm -hmm. how we can improve. And so this is probably another thing positive you could take away from the crisis. Hey, that's, but that's great. I mean, that's hopefully what people can be at least mindful enough to, to, you know, I, we've heard this a uh, hundred times over the last few months, but, you know, make lemonade out of these lemons, you know, it's, yeah, it's, absolutely. it's, you know, yeah, we were dealt a bad hand. Everyone was, but how do you spin it positively and actually try to, to have, um, excellent lessons learned out of this? So I'm, I'm glad to hear that you personally and professionally seem to have come to some realizations that you hope will carry through for, mm -hmm. for many years to come. Finally, I know it's nighttime there, so I don't want to hold you up anymore because you, you might have a six-year-old daughter there who's, you know, bugging you because she wants to hang out with dad. But... My wife's job tonight to bring her to bed. So okay. I brought the son and she brings the kid. Okay. <laughs> In your free time, when you do have some free time and you get a chance to relax, is there anything in particular like a movie you like to watch or music you like to listen to or book you like to read? I really like to read. Yeah. This is something, and I, for me, the Kindle was one of the big best inventions ever because I cannot read um, when the sun is sleeping next to us. Yeah. And I cannot turn on the light, so the Kindle is good for me. And um, I usually like to read the the, the Pulitzer prizes and the, and the Nobel prizes. Um, okay, sometimes poetry is not. I'm not such a big fan. Yeah. But um, the Milkman, for example, I enjoyed oh, really okay. a lot. And um, a German book, um, if you translate, was called Everyone Dies for Himself, um, which is probably one of the best pieces I've ever read. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a, is a German book, which was on the um, Israeli bestselling list for more than a year. And that caught my eye, which is, yeah. and it's about, it's about the, the Third Reich. And, yeah. um, but it's, it's, it's another perspective. And it shows how some political systems only bring out the worst in the people. And mm -hmm. this is, for me, was very, was very, very impressive to read. Um, and I took a little bit away from myself from that book, too. Well, Ulrich, this is, you know, the second time you and I, I have talked and I've yes. enjoyed both times. And I want to thank you again for doing this one, which was, I think, a little bit easier than the, than the first yes, one we did together. Awesome. But again, I, I very much appreciate you sharing your story with uh, myself and everyone who listens to the interface. Um, and again, my best to you, your family, and Amphenol Tuchel moving forward. Thanks so much for having me.